This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences will show us how much we really are alike. I'm Condes Presley. My guest today is Brandon Fleming. He's the author of a new book, Miseducated. It is his memoir. It's the story of one man's transformation from, and this is what the book says about him. I would never say this about Brandon, but it says the story of his transformation from a delinquent drug dealing dropout to an award-winning Harvard educator all by the age of 27. And this is the educator this young man is. And some of you may have seen his story about the Harvard debate project on people to people because Brandon Fleming is the assistant debate coach at Harvard University. He is the founder and CEO of the Harvard Diversity Project. He was recruited to join the debate faculty at the tender age of 27. Brandon, it is so nice to see you again. Welcome and congratulations on your book. Thank you so much, my sister. It's so good to be here with you. You still have so much more to accomplish. Tell us about Miseducated. So Miss Miseducated is my turbulent journey, um, going from being um, an at-risk youth, um, a drug dealer, um, a substance abuser, um, a dropout. You know, at, at many different times in my life, I was, I was different things that weren't always good, you know, and, um, it's, it's the journey of how I went from being that to transforming um, into uh, an academic, a scholar, and eventually a, a Harvard educator. Didn't I read you're a PK? So my stepfather was a, uh, was a preacher. Um, and, and that's a lot of what the, uh, what the book is about, particularly the, the beginning of the book is, is about my, my childhood and how I you know, grew up in a home you know, with a man who was a Baptist preacher by day. Um, but by night, he was a coke addict. And so um, for, for many, many years, you know, I, I lived under um, the roof with him where I was subjected to abuses that were, quite frankly, unimaginable. Um, and I carried that pain with me to, to school every single day. And, and I acted in ways, um, you know, that, that obviously showed I had behavioral challenges. And, um, you know, really what this book is about is, is how there's so many kids who are just like me in classrooms all over the world um, who are exhibiting, you know, these behaviors, um, but seldom do, do teachers and educators take the time to ask the right questions. And, and that's what I wish, you know, someone would have done for me. Um, I wish someone was interested in not just um, how I was behaving, um, but, but able to see that those were just mere symptoms of a, of a deep-seated pain that I was carrying with me every single day. You were exposed to drug abuse in your home. Being exposed to that for some people would make them turn against it. Why did you turn to it? You know, it's interesting because I, I think the very thing that we hate, sometimes we have the tendency to become. And um, for me, that's all I knew. You know, we every single one of us, we are a result of our environment. You know, we are products of our conditioning um, until we make the decision to change. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I saw that as a one, a way of escape and two, a way of, uh, of acceptance. And I think that's what I was looking for at such a, a, a young age. I was just looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, and sometimes it doesn't matter what form that love takes, 
Um, just we we have this. Uh, the book is called Miseducated because it clearly depicts all the ways that I've been miseducated and the ways that that we as people are miseducated um, when we grow up in these type of environments. Because I was very miseducated as to what love and embrace really was, you know, and and that's how I found myself engaged in the activities that I was engaged in. You know, I didn't have a strong family. Um, and so I looked to a gang, you know, I wanted to get jumped into a gang because I saw that as family, you know, um, when, when I was young, you know, I dealt with, um, you know, I was molested, you know, by, by a woman. And that was my introduction to quote unquote love as she described it, you know, and so all of these things, you know, that were happening in my life were, were a result of, of the people that existed in my microcosm. Um, and, and that's the cycle that we see, you know, in the, in the black community and other communities um, every single day. Brandon, you're originally from New York, grew up in the D.C. area. What brought you to Atlanta? I came to Atlanta to teach. Um, I was recruited out of college to teach at the Ron Clark Academy here in Atlanta. Well, that certainly had to have been a life-changing and game-changing experience for you. Absolutely. It was a dream come true, you know, when I was in, in college. Um, when I discovered my calling um, as an educator, you know, Ron Clark became a hero of mine. You know, he was someone I deeply admired, somebody that I always wished, you know, that I would one day have an opportunity to, to meet. Um, and, and I had that opportunity to meet him. And um, he was following the work that I was doing in, in college as an undergrad when I started um, a nonprofit organization. And uh, it was an educational program where I was teaching um, underserved youth in that community. Um, and training them. And because of the work that I was doing and the accomplishments, uh, the achievements that I had from that, um, he recruited me to move here to Atlanta to teach at his World Renowned Academy. It would appear that you in your life now model the behavior that you wish had been modeled for you as a child and as a young man. Yeah, you know, I, I hope so. You know, that, that's certainly what I, you know, intend to do. Um, but, but most of all, I, I want to show people, you know, that none of us are perfect. You know, um, and and all of us struggle to to break away from um, the the mold in which we have um, lived in and, and existed in. You know, for for much of our lives, for the, especially for those of us who have dealt with trauma. You know, and and what I hope to to show people, you know, is that you can be free. You can be free, and and a lot of times it, it begins with the decision to free yourself. You know, and um, and we can't often wait for other people to to do that work for us. Um, that that is a work that we have to be dedicated to. And so I had to, at some point, you know, make the decision um, to nurse my own wounds. You know, I had to make the decision, you know, to um, to seek my own healing. Um, and, and I had to make the decision to teach myself how to read, <laughs> to teach myself how to write you know, to overcome illiteracy. You know, one of the things that my, um, a theme, you know, in the book that I constantly, you know, mentioned is, is the philosophy that was uh, given to me from my coach, where he said, we don't complain, son, we compensate. You know, and my professor who said, you know, you have two choices, you know, when it comes to your disadvantages, you can lament about them, or you can do something about it, and you can change it. You know, and and that's become my philosophy of life and my philosophy of education. You know, I believe we can all um, learn from that. 
you've got such a great story and yet you are still such a young man. Tell our audience about your education before you got on the path that led you to where you are now. Yeah, you know, it, it was, my, my passion was birthed um, from a moment of pain. You know, when, when I dropped out of college because basketball was my, um, my only sense of identity. You know, I was not good at anything else. You know, I didn't see a future in anything else. And so when I went to college to play basketball, you know, and then, you know, suffered a career and a knee injury that, um, that abruptly just derailed all of my dreams. You know, I had nothing, you know, I had no aspirations outside of that. Certainly didn't want to be in college. You know, I was never academically inclined. And so uh, as a result, I dropped out and I spent the next two years of my life working um, in a factory, a vitamin factory on an assembly line for 10 hours a day, six days a week. It was the most painful experience of my life. Um, and, and as I looked around that factory and saw people, you know, who were two and three times my age and realizing that I would be subjected to this menial labor forever, um, it was a life that I didn't want. And I started to, you know, quickly spiral down this depressive abyss. And um, I didn't want my life anymore. And I tried to commit suicide. And I woke up in the hospital bed, you know, uh, with tubes attached to my arms, tears coming down my face, you know, just looking up at the ceiling um, alone. And I made a promise to myself and I made a promise to God, you know, that if I was ever given another opportunity that I would, I would go harder than I've ever gone for anything in my life. And so, yeah, I ended up, you know, a miracle happened. I was able to go back to school, but now here I am in college with a middle school education level. You know, I mean, I couldn't read, I couldn't write, you know, I was shuffled along um, through school because of my abilities on the basketball court, you know? And so um, during, during that time, you know, I had to reinvent myself as, as a scholar, you know, I had to teach myself, you know, with the help of some, some very compassionate professors, you know, um, who, who taught me um, how to love first and teach second, you know, that's what they imbued in me. And um, I went through this process, this transformation um, that I had no idea what would eventually become the curriculum that I would use to transform other young people into scholars. So everything happens for a reason, you know, everything we go through um, is not necessarily for us. Um, it's always for the people that we would be used to reach. Tell me about this passion for debate. Yeah, so, you know, debate changed my life because, you know, when I, when I went through that, that metamorphosis intellectually and academically, you know, I, I never had anywhere to, to direct my competitive inclinations. You know, after I lost basketball, you know, I, I was never um, a competitor in any other sport. And so when I discovered, um, I saw the movie um, the Great Debaters by, Den you know, starring Denzel Washington. And uh, when I saw the movie, I mean, I was enthralled. I was like, oh my God, if only this was really a thing, you know, come to find out it was a real thing. And in my college, you know, I had a debate team. And so I tried out for that debate team. And, um, you know, I don't want to give too much of the story away because I want, I want people to enjoy, you know, reading about most of this in the book. But um, I will say that I, I was a terrible, terrible debater. I mean, I was a terrible debater. You know, the one one of the many ironies, you know, in my life is you know, I'm the assistant debate coach at Harvard University. Um, but I was the worst debater you could ever imagine. You know, never even won a single debate. Um, and I ended up uh, quitting the debate team, but for a good reason, um, because I started teaching debate. Even, you know, I wasn't great at practicing debate when I was in college, but for some reason, 
I was good at teaching it to uh, to kids, you know, who were also considered at risk, you know, and um, so I started teaching those kids in my community and discovered my ability as an educator um, because those kids, when I started with them, I mean, these were all kids who were, you know, failing or had failed or were getting ready to get kicked out of school and put an alternative school. I started working with these kids in my community and, and those kids started to go through the same type of transformation um, that I had gone through. And so that's when I discovered my ability to use a debate as a tool um, to transform the minds of young people. So you do that and you create a program for, for young people, you bring that to the Ron Clark Academy and you get a call from Harvard University. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, so at the Ron Clark Academy, I started uh, the, the first debate team there and um, it's a middle school You know, we were competing at different uh, middle school tournaments and, and quite honestly, we were blowing everybody out. You know, I mean, the kids became so highly trained and debate that competing at middle school tournaments, it, it was no longer competitive for us. So to challenge them, I entered them in a high school tournament. Um, and we went and competed at the high school tournament and we went undefeated, you know? And so um, at that tournament, there was a representative from the Harvard Debate Council, you know, who came up to my kids and said, hey, you know, I wanna meet your teacher. And she came up to me and she said, you know, there's something I think you would be perfect for. And I said, okay, you know, what, what's that? She said, I, I think you should teach at Harvard. And so she actually sent a recommendation up to the university for me to be appointed as a summer instructor. And so uh, that's how it all started for me. Now, as you're having that conversation with the representative from Harvard and you found your way, you have your passion, your team is killing it, but you're talking to Harvard and do you think to yourself, do you know my story? Do you know my background? Are you sure you wanna <laughs> ask me this? That is so funny you asked that question because yes, I think about, I, I mean, I think about that everywhere I go, you know, especially, uh, you know, now I've put this story out there into the world. So it's certainly not going to be a secret, but I mean, everywhere I've gone, I've struggled with imposter syndrome because, you know, what, whether it's, you know, the Ron Clark Academy or whether it's Harvard University, whether it's speaking at the United Nations, you know, wherever I've been, you know, I've always, you know, thought, man, if only these people knew that I'm, I'm just a, a reformed dope dealer, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, I mean, I, and, and I say, I say, I'm obviously not just that, but you know, sometimes there's this voice in your head that constantly tells you that you're not enough, you know, and, um, and you got to speak back to that voice and, and tell that voice that, that, that you know who you are. You know, and so, yeah, you know, when, when I first got to Harvard, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking around, just thinking about, like, how in the world did I get here? I'm like, what? Like, this makes no sense. You know, when I think about people I ran the streets with back in the day, I mean, some of them are dead, some of them are still there, you know, and, and, and I asked myself, you know, why me? But that's the thing I realized when I got there that, you know, I couldn't have wrote, written um, this story this way. You know, this serendipity wrote this story and, and my being there had to be much bigger than just me. And, and as I looked around, you know, I, I realized my purpose for being there it wasn't for me to be able to say, oh, yes, I'm a Harvard educator now. It was for me to do something about a problem that was revealed to me, which was the lack of African-American representation on that campus. 
And I believe anytime you identify a problem, you have a responsibility to be the solution. And so when I noticed that, I decided to do something about it. And that's how the Harvard Diversity Project was born. We're talking to Brandon Fleming uh, right now, making his home in Atlanta. COVID is keeping him out of Cambridge. He has written his memoir. It is called Miseducated, and it is available, not yet, in June. Uh, Book publishes on June 15th. And before we're done, he'll tell us how we can pre-order it. But Brandon, I wanted to ask you, as a young African-American male who has seen the lowest of lows and experienced the highest of highs, where we are today as a nation when it comes to opportunity and perhaps changing the narrative as it relates to Black men in America, what are your thoughts about that? I think we all have to do our part um, to reach the people within our sphere. Um, and, And I think, you know, as Obviously, we live in America. We we exist within this system of of capitalism um, that tends to exploit the people, you know, at the bottom and the people in the middle, you know, um, at, at the at the benefit of those at the top. And so, one of the things that I understand as a black man, especially as a black educator, um, is that we have to teach young people how to navigate this system. We have to teach young people how to play this game of chess that is called American capitalism. Um, and, and that begins with understanding privilege and power. Um, one of the things that I share with my students all the time is that there's nothing wrong with privilege. Um, what matters is what you choose to do with privilege. Um, and they must understand and we must understand that with privilege comes the responsibility to serve. Being at Harvard University was a privilege for me, but I knew that that privilege was not meant for me to um, enjoy um, my successes, you know, to boast about them or or to, you know, just in aimless pursuit of wealth. Um, It was meant for me to reach back and pull others up with me. And, And that is what I hope that Black people recognize as a community, because that's the only way that we are going to advance Black pathways, is if we understand that with privilege comes a responsibility to serve, that we are supposed to blaze trails in the spaces where we belong. We are supposed to shatter every glass ceiling, and we are supposed to be intrusive in the spaces that are not inclusive. That is what I'm trying to do, um, you know, with, with, with my privilege. Um, And that is what I commission my students to do with theirs. Brandon, you clearly are an inspiration to many, if nothing else, to your students and everyone you encounter. Who inspires you? Oh, man. Um, There are many people, you know, in my life who who have inspired me, um, particularly uh, the the person who wrote my foreword to my book, and that is uh, Dr. Cornell Cornell West. West. Wow. You know, when when I when I was a college student, I was so inspired watching Cornell West, you know, and I I was led to him, you know, through my my journey uh, through the the African-American literary canon, which involves many um, writers from the Harlem Renaissance, you know, I was deeply impacted by that, that period. Um, and, and after reading Carter G. Woodson, after reading W.B. Du Bois, you know, um, and then reading more contemporary writers, you know, like, um, James Baldwin and 
um, Henry Louis Gates, I discovered um, Cornell West. And, and then not only was he a, a, a writer, but he's an orator and I would watch his speeches and his lectures. And, and I was so galvanized and I was so moved by his ability to use words, to move an audience, to provide them enlightenment, to provide them hope, to provide them inspiration. You know, and um, it's so funny because I, I would spend um, so much time in my dorm room, um, you know, just, just giving speeches to an imaginary crowd, uh, pretending that I was Cornell West, <laughs> you know, and um, but I became his I became his student, you know, I became his his disciple before I ever knew that I'd have an opportunity to meet him one day. And um, so finally, you know, after teaching at, at Harvard, um, I had an opportunity to connect with him. And um, he's, he's become now not only um, a, a distant teacher, uh, but now he's become a personal mentor. And he's inspired me ever since I was a young college student. For our audience, this is what Dr. Cornell West says about Brandon. Fleming stands in the great tradition of Black writers and fighters who unite thought and action, reflection and execution, based on a deep love of people, especially for young Black people who grow up on the kicking fields of America's hoods. Like those who helped Brandon turn his life around, he has now taken the lead in transforming the lives of so many young brothers and sisters by means of Padilla, a deep education rooted in truth, justice, and love. What did you think when you read that, when he sent it to you? Honestly, um, it, it moved me to tears. It moved me to tears to, to have his blessing, you know, means, means the world to me. And, and it, I just hope to be able to inspire um, other young black scholars in the same way that he's inspired me. Brandon, what are you hoping readers will take away from your book? What I'm really hoping readers will understand is that, you know, it's, it's never too late to change. Um, and, and that change is not beyond um, any of our reach or grasp, you know, um, that it is a decision um, that, that, that begins with, with our desire to be better, to simply be better. And, and we can do that. I, I want people to understand it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your family dynamics are. It does not matter um, how much you have failed, that it is possible for every single one of us to fail forward. Um, that each failure at every turn of life can lead us one step closer um, to who we are supposed to be and, and to what our calling is in life and our purpose is for being here. Um, what I'm hoping is that people who are broken, um, people who are bruised, people, people who feel like they have nothing but shattered pieces, you know, that they can look at those shattered pieces and understand that there's a mosaic there, that you can take something so painful and you can create something so beautiful. How can people pre-order a copy of your book? It's out and available on June 15th. Absolutely. Right now it is available for pre-order. Um, so you can go to Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon, um, independent booksellers, wherever books are sold. Um, you can now pre-order the book and um, it will get to you on June 15th um, on the release date. And I'm so excited to be sharing it with the world. The book is Miseducated. The author is Brandon P. Fleming. I am so proud to know you. Thank you for your time. 
Congratulations on the book. And I look forward to the next time we encounter one another. Hopefully it will be in person so that I can hug you and show you the great respect and pride in how I too am inspired by you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.